0: The contents of The Lab Report are meant for educational purposes only and are not meant to be misconstrued as medical diagnosis or treatment advice. Today
1: on The Lab Report, we're going to talk about omega-3 fatty acids.
0: How do we get them? What do they do? Why do we care?
1: I don't know. The whole thing smells kind of fishy. Um, it was terrible. That was bad. It was terrible.
0: <laughs> the world of medicine can be challenging. Clinicians and patients are always looking for more options more effective treatments, and in the end, more answers. Functional and integrative medicine focuses on addressing root causes of disease. Here at Genova Diagnostics, we've watched this field evolve and grow for over 35 years. We've not only adapted, we've led. Join us as we talk about functional medicine, laboratory testing, and optimizing health. Welcome to the lab report.
1: So I turn around,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: and then my son's in the bathtub. Okay. But the funny thing is, he still has all of his clothes on. (laughs) Hello. Hey,
0: Michael Chapman. How are you?
1: I'm terrific. How are you, Patty Devers? I am
0: crushing it at life today. You sure are. I know.
1: Way to go. (laughs) Hope everyone out there is doing well. This is The Lab Report brought to you by Genova Diagnostics, where we talk about things like functional medicine, specialty lab testing, integrative therapeutics, and the like.
0: Yeah, and if you're new to the show, welcome. And if you're returning, we're so grateful for all of your support. Very grateful. Yeah, we're hoping that you go to to iTunes or Spotify, maybe subscribe to the show, leave us some feedback, rate and review, and things like that. You
1: could do those things. And if you have additional feedback, you can send it to podcast at gdx.net. Thank you to everyone who's been reaching out to us and assisting with the content creation for the show. (laughs) I appreciate that, too. And they
0: always have such nice things to say, which is always great.
1: We have nice listeners, I'll say that. We certainly do. I think the whole functional medicine community you could consider as being a nice group of people. Yeah,
0: actually there's something to that. Is there? Yeah. I don't know if it's the focus on health that puts everyone in a good mood. Everyone's just so positive all the time.
1: Well, we also know that positivity is good for health, so Mm. it's a feed-forward cycle. Though in the world of psychology, there is actually such a thing as toxic positivity.
0: (laughs) Why are you looking at me? (laughs) I don't know
1: if you've ever heard of this, but uh, Mm. maybe we do an episode on it sometime. That would be interesting at least.
0: So you're just going to psychoanalyze me for an entire podcast episode?
1: Sounds entertaining.
0: <laughs> well, really, maybe we should have a whole podcast to talk to you about why you let your son take a bath with all of his clothes on.
1: These are all really great <laughs> segment ideas.
0: So this segment is going to be you psychoanalyzing me? That's right.
1: Yeah. It'll be a good time. It'll Will be. It, yeah, I think so. And then we whom? could have like the, another segment where it's just parenting pitfalls at home of Michael Chapman. Hmm, That's that really,
0: sounds good. Yeah.
1: What? are you on the bounce? Yeah,
0: Michael, focus here. I know,
1: it's kind of... so all pear-shaped. That's right. Patty, what are we talking about today?
0: <laughs> Was that your Oliver impression? <laughs> yeah. We're talking about the omega-3 fatty acids today.
1: Awesome. Yep. Omega-3 fatty acids. You know, this is one of those things that actually is not solely for the functional medicine doc. It's actually infiltrated into the conventional medical world, which is pretty amazing. It's, it's rare that when vitamin D I think was the first to like really Mm. break through and it was uh (laughs) it was like a watershed moment. Right. And then all of a sudden look out like sooner or later, we're going to get B vitamins in there.
0: Wow. Fast on the heels. Well, let's just back it up just a little bit. I'm not going to define terms, Michael. I'm just talking generalities here. I will remove my hand. Thank you. Step, back. So we're talking about fatty acids and fat, and so we talked several times on the show about the macronutrients from our diet, which are fats, carbohydrates, and proteins. Correct. And so we're really just talking about fats, when you eat fat and they get broken down.
1: Yeah, I think there's an important distinction here because dietary fat is different than fatty acids, right? Mm-hmm. And so fatty acids combine with a glycerol backbone to make fat, right? So that is what we think of it. That's a triglyceride. That's why it's called a trig or triacyl glycerol or tri, triglyceride because there's the three carbon backbone. That's glycerol, and then from those different three spots, you have these different fatty acids that sort of branch out. And so when those separate from the glycerol backbone, you've got free fatty acids.
0: And these fatty acids are just a string of carbons. There's a carbon backbone. And on one end, you have a carboxyl group, and on the other end is a methyl group.
1: Yeah, and so from here, we've got this whole other can of worms, right? Because there's all different types of fatty acids. Right. There's saturated fatty acids. There's unsaturated fatty acids. Mm -hmm. There's monounsaturated fatty (laughs) acids. There's omega-3s, omega-6s, omega-9s, like what? I and mean, what is all this? What, why are there so many different fatty acids? And first and foremost, like, why are we naming them as such? Which makes me want to do defining terms, but I promised I wouldn't.
0: <laughs> well, it all comes down to that structure. So you have this carbon backbone and a bunch of hydrogen bonds, yeah. right? You have the carboxyl group on one end and a methyl group on the other end.
1: Okay, so let's start with saturated versus unsaturated. What's the difference between these guys?
0: So in between, or gals? In between each of the carbons, there are bonds. Right? And sometimes they can have double bonds. And if there are no double bonds, it's called saturated, which means it's just filled with hydrogen and hydrocarbons. It's saturated
1: with hydrogen.
0: Right. And if there are double bonds, it's called unsaturated.
1: Okay. So the distinguishing point is whether or not there's a double bond. Correct. Okay. Okay. So that's saturated versus unsaturated. Where's all this omega 3, omega 6, omega 9 come from?
0: Right. And it's really very simply. Just the position of where there is a double bond. If it's at the third carbon or if it's at the sixth carbon or the seventh or the nine, that's what distinguishes them.
1: Oh, interesting. I was thinking it was more so omega-3s are great, holy trinity, omega-6s are bad, (laughs) 666, (laughs) the devil, all that stuff. No,
0: they actually, in the carbon backbone, they call the, the methyl end the omega end. So it's how many carbons away. That's what makes it. Uh, a 3, a 6, so or a 9. it's not
1: like I am the alpha and the omega. Listen, it or...
0: can be anything you want it to be, Michael.
1: Perfect. And so the thing about having these double bonds is it changes the actual structure of the molecule. It changes the way it folds and bends. Mm-hmm. And anytime you change the structure of a molecule, you're changing what it does, the consequences of it. And so I'm assuming there's different health outcomes, health situations. There's different biochemical roles that these different fatty acids play.
0: Correct. And in general, fatty acids can be used immediately for energy or energy units. They sort of are the structural components of all of the cell membranes in your body, which is somewhat important, you can consider. And they're also... It's good to have cell membranes. Yeah, it's important. They're also precursors to some signaling molecules like called icosinoids, which are helpful in inflammatory cascades. So fatty acids are important, and the different structures kind of change their function in those roles.
1: Okay, right. So today we're going to mostly focus in on omega-3 fatty acids because, uh, you know, we think about all the health benefits associated with things like fish oil, flax oil, and omega-3s in general. We talk about that a lot clinically. And I guess that begs the question, right? We do talk a lot about it clinically, and we think about all these health benefits to taking in omega-3s. like. Do we have any research to back that up? Oh, or? my gosh. Oh, so. There's
0: a ridiculous amount of research on omega-3 fatty acids. It's in, they're anti-inflammatory. They make cell membranes. They help with gene expression. And, you know, there's a lot of research around them being beneficial in a lot of different clinical conditions, like cardiovascular disease, probably the most common. Mm-hmm. Other things like cognitive decline, mood disorders, neurodevelopmental and behavioral disorder visual disturbances, cancer. So they're really well studied.
1: Yeah, and uh, the I think one of the boons is that we have interventional studies, right? not just epidemiologic studies, right? So that's really great. We have randomized control trials where we've got a control group, we've got an intervention group, and we see differences when people who are on omega-3 either supplementation or changes in their diet uh, as compared to the controls. So that's really powerful evidence to their efficacy.
0: Okay, so that brings up the next point. How do I get me some of these? Like, where are they in the diet?
1: Oh, yeah, that's an easy one, right? Go ahead. So in the ocean,
0: mm-hmm. there's, there's
1: these things called fish. I've heard of those. I'm yeah. familiar. They, uh, they also are part muscle, and they have fat and uh-huh. you know, stuff like that. So the fat is really, really high in omega-3s in these fish. Okay. And in particular, we think about things like uh, salmon,
0: mm-hmm.
1: anchovies, sardines, mackerel, Carrying these sort of things. Uh, and including them in your diet is going to help you to get omega-3s. You can also get omega-3s from s- some rare, some few nuts, like flax and walnut have some omega-3s. Um, and there's some evidence to show that if you're eating animal meats, that are raised in a pasture, that are grass-fed, grass-finished, um, they're going to have a higher concentration of omega-3s as compared to more conventionally raised animal meats.
0: I think In another important piece of this is that there's really only one essential omega-3, meaning it has to come from your diet. Yeah, alpha That's, linoleic right, acid. ALA. And from that... Other omega-3 fatty acids can be made, though all of them can be obtained in the diet from things like you just outlined there, Michael, mainly oily fish.
1: Yeah, and truth be told, Hmm. I don't think people are eating as much fish as we used to. I
0: agree, and that the conversion from ALA, alpha-linolenic acid, can be tricky, so it's important to try to get some of these into your diet or supplement.
1: Right, because one of the big things we think about clinically when it comes to omega-3s is inflammation, mm-hmm. right? We think about inflammation and we specifically talk about the balance between your intake of omega-3s compared to your intake of omega-6s, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, that's that's shifted a little bit across the, the last few years with the standard American diet, the Western diet, right?
0: Yeah, so back in evolutionary times, evolutionarily speaking, <laughs> 150 years ago, the ratio from omega-3 to omega-6s used to be close to 1 to 1, but wow. one with, the, to one. with the change in you know farming, the standard American diet with processed foods, that has shifted to almost 20 to 30 to 1 in favor of the 6s, which very well correlates with all of the increase in some of these diseases and obesity and some of the bad health outcomes we've been seeing.
1: Right, so you can see if we're so far away
0: mm-hmm. from 1
1: to 1, right. that's where it becomes important to, to not only get the essential omega three alpha linoleic acid, but to also provide some of the adequate cofactors needed to convert that into the more active like EPA and DHA fatty acids, which are also omega-3 fatty acids, or to supplement, or both.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: All right, well, here I got a question. Let me grab my, uh, get my s- supplement here. I've got omega-3 fatty, I've got omega-3s, okay. capsules, right here, Yeah, right in front of me. Isn't that amazing?
0: Fish just oil so Catholics. happen to ha- have that, yeah. and
1: um, so it's, this is one gram per capsule. Okay. Um, no, I'm sorry. It's 500 milligrams per capsule, so a gram per two capsules. And uh, so I just assume, what, like that's what I what's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for omega threes, right? At the end of the day, but then I turn it around at the back here, and it says EPA and DHA, and what's what's that all about? <laughs>
0: Well, although there are several different types of omega-3 fatty acids, the two that we hear most about are EPA and DHA, and those are the ones that you get in those fish oil caplets. And if we just kind of talk about EPA, which is icosapentanoic acid, EPA, it's important. It's in fish, in fish oil, but this one is really more used in the inflammatory cascade. It's a precursor for prostaglandin-3. And so that's important to inhibit platelet aggregation, and it's really part of the inflammatory cascade. So EPA itself is really important as an anti-inflammatory omega-3 fatty acid. So you see why that might be important since EPA is so anti-inflammatory. It's important clinically in things like cardiovascular disease, which at its core is an inflammatory process. Other things like autoimmune diseases and skin diseases. So EPA is really important clinically
1: well you just said a lot there you talked about icosinoids you talked about the inflammatory cascade and you Mm -hmm. even mentioned that cardiovascular disease is inflammatory at its core that's that's a lot of heavy information and yes i can to answer your question i can certainly see where this would be important clinically uh but you know what you're leaving out dha sorry and uh i happen to be the pr agent for dha (laughs) uh it's it's a really important omega-3 fatty acid as well. You know, it is also, uh, there's a ton of research regarding its anti-inflammatory role in a lot of clinical conditions like cardiovascular disease as well. Cognitive decline, autoimmune disease, fetal development, visual disturbances, cancer, and metabolic syndrome. And we give this a lot clinically, uh, I think of for like mood, cognition, and brain development and brain health. Um, And so I tend to make a little bit of a distinction there between the EPA and DHA. And at the end of the day, fish oil as a whole is a combination of EPA and DHA, but you can also get them individually. You can buy just EPA or you could buy just DHA if you're more direct to a specific clinical condition.
0: Okay. So after hearing all of this, Uh these fish oils sound kind of beneficial. It sounds like they might be important, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so a lot of people are taking fish oil supplementation. Is it Possible to get too much fish oil, number one. And are there downsides to taking fish oil?
1: So back in the day, right, we think about... What day? 2007. Oh. Columbus Day. Oh. So we typically thought of omega-3s as being anti-inflammatory and uh, anticoagulant. And so there was concern, and still is concern in the industry, that... Uh, giving a lot of omega-3s is concerning on people who especially are already on blood-thinning medication or could have complications from something that acts as a blood thinner. So that would be one contraindication that comes to mind when I think about omega-3s and could you get too much of it.
0: But some of the literature is actually turning on this in the fact that they are studying patients who are on fish oil supplementation preoperatively and perioperatively as to risk of bleeding and the need for blood transfusion. And some of the literature is now starting to say that it really doesn't worsen bleeding risk.
1: Yeah. And that's super interesting and really, you know, helps the case of saying, wow, we could be using omega-3s and many more people who might benefit from it without worrying about perhaps the contraindications. Although it's really important to say that this is a very select population that has been tested on. We're talking about people undergoing invasive procedures, which is not the global population at large. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's still some evidence, I think, to be uncovered. There's still some research to be done to verify safety. Um, and so that's where you're going to run into a little bit still in the community of, of concern and contraindication in, in certain people.
0: Well, I have another question then about fish oil supplementation and when is too much, too much. What about the whole concept of mercury? We've discussed oh. toxins before on the show.
1: Well, you know, the thing about this is uh, with fish, we always worry about the contamination of mercury. And it's particularly, you're, you're concerned about the large fish, things like salmon, tuna. Uh, there's a whole list that you can get where it's like high mercury fish versus low mercury fish. But by and large, the smaller fish like sardines uh, are going to have less mercury contamination in them uh, by volume. And so we we do notice on our nutritional testing oftentimes that when people have high levels of omega-3s and we find out they're supplementing, it's not uncommon to see higher Mm -hmm. levels of mercury, which is uh, a really interesting correlation that we've drawn over and over again here at Genova.
0: And I think that makes the whole concept of supplement quality important. Where are you getting your supplements? Is it a reputable source? Is it a nutraceutical company? How are you storing them? Or is it in in the trunk of your car in the middle of August? So... The way you store supplements, where you get them from, are super important in a case like this.
1: Yeah, and especially for omega-3s. Like, maybe there'll be some things that I'll say, yeah, yeah. maybe not as important, right. you know, like vitamin C or something. You know, like, you know, maybe not as scrutinous about the quality of the vitamin C. But something like omega-3 fish oil, which is breaks down and oxidizes easily comes from sources that might have contamination, Uh, you really want to look at it and you want to look at what their sources of those omega-3s are. It should say on the bottle, comes from sardines or comes from salmon. It tells you right there and that can give you an indication. But you can also contact the company and ask them what the quality control methods that they use are. So we talked about the omega-3s. We talked about EPA, DHA. But have you heard of this marker, omega-3 index? Mm -hmm. Do you know this marker?
0: Oh, I know it. You
1: think you know this marker. But I could
0: probably... Better know it. You, I better know you, the biomarker. And
1: not only could you better know it, you better know it. You think you, you think know? know? You think you, you know, know your biomarkers? biomarkers? You don't know. You don't know you don't your, don't your biomarkers. biomarkers. This is This is. Better Know better biomarkers. biomarkers. We gotta pay that band.
0: That's my favorite of your We've jingles. We've got to pay them. It that. makes it is, me laugh every time. It has been
1: months now <laughs> that they did that work for us.
0: <laughs> okay, well, we measure the omega-3 index on the NutraVal. Tell me a little bit more about this biomarker.
1: So the omega-3 index is a combination of EPA and DHA, but it's a combination of the weight percent in the red blood cell, right? And so this, there's a couple different factors here. You can measure fatty acids in the plasma, or you can measure them in the red blood cell. So that's one distinguishing point. And we use the red blood cell and the NutriVal. Uh, A lot of the literature is for evaluating the red blood cell because it gives us an idea of how much has been incorporated into the cell membrane of the red blood cell and what the composition is. It's a good reflection of dietary intake. And also, a lot of the literature looks at weight percent uh, as the unit for for how we do these analysis. So it looks like a big pie chart at the end of the day, right? Mm -hmm. Essentially taking into account what's the percentage of omega-3s compared to the percentage of omega-6s and within that percent, how much is it percent EPA? How much is it percent DHA? So you combine those two percentages and that's how you get the omega-3 index value.
0: Okay, so we take that omega-3 index value and it starts to become a stratifier And it's been used as a biomarker specifically in cardiovascular disease because there are these two researchers nearly 20 years ago who started studying this sum of EPA and DHA. And the zones that they kind of stratified are Uh that if the addition of those two is less than four, you're at fairly high risk for a, a cardiac event of mm-hmm. some sort. Anywhere from four to eight is a, is a kind of a moderate risk, but mm-hmm. greater than eight or eight to 11 was kind of the sweet spot where you're, you have the most cardio protection. So this actually has become and has been verified and routinely studied now as a cardiovascular risk marker.
1: Yeah, and one of the other interesting elements to that that we've talked about before is, like, one of the greatest contributors to that and the thing that swings it more rapidly is the concentration of DHA, just to put a little drop in the bucket for, your, for DHA and how important DHA is in particular.
0: And just to bring it back to testing, because we do work at Genova, Michael, this omega-3 index can be found on the NutriVal, can also be found on the Metabolomics Plus. It's an add-on to that profile, and it's a very important cardiovascular biomarker.
1: Wow. You know, we talked a lot about the health benefits of Mm omega-3s. I mean, would you make the case that pretty much everyone should be on omega-3s? Like, should I be on omega-3s?
0: Like on fish oil?
1: Yeah.
0: Well, I think you can make that case because they are so beneficial. But do I think everyone needs to be on fish oil? No. Why not just increase the intake in your diet? Let's start there. Though I could also make the case that they are so important. Maybe everyone should be on them. Thoughts, Michael Chapman?
1: Oh, I've got some thoughts. Mm
0: -hmm. Um, You know what I think?
1: I think we should be testing people because Mm. first and foremost, these supplements are not cheap. Right. Especially if you're going up like two, three, four grams. Um, You know, you always look at the clinical picture. You look at the person in front of you, right? And if they're at cardiovascular risk you know, and it makes a lot of sense clinically with their signs and symptoms, then I would be considering it for sure. And the average individual, you know, a good nutritional assessment is going to tell me about their dietary intake. And last but not least, do you like fish? Right. I mean, that's a big, that's a <laughs> polarizing subject because, you know. Polarizing? Yeah. Fish is, uh, it's fishy, mm-hmm. man. Like not it's everyone tricky, likes yeah. the fishy taste. And I speak for myself.
0: And then the other piece is you're throwing so many supplements at people. Right? You really have to try to show some restraint here and make some informed decisions.
1: That's exactly right. Patty. What? It's time. Oh, no.
0: What time is it?
1: Oh, you know what time it is. Question Question of the the day. day. Question of the day. Question of the day. Question of the day.
0: Wait, what time is it? Oh,
1: I think you know what time it is. Question of the day. Question of the day. Question of the day. Question of the day. You know, Michael? hmm
0: You haven't created a new jingle in quite some time.
1: Oh, that sounds like a dare. (laughs) I will accept your challenge. I will certainly take this on, and I'll come back with something that blows your ears
0: out. (laughs) Well, they all sort of do that. (laughs) (laughs) But in the meantime, how about if I just ask you the question of the day? Sure. So we're talking about fish oil. But, you know, when you go out there and you really start shopping for fish oil, you'll find that there's like krill oil, there's cod liver oil, there's salmon oil, there's fish oil. How in the world do you decide what type of fish oil to get?
1: Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, The differences between salmon oil, krill oil, fish oil, cod liver oil is um, they're all just going to have different concentrations of the fatty acids first and foremost. So they're going to have EPA different. And DHA. Yeah. They're going to have yeah. different ratios of EPA to DHA. Um, so that's one thing to keep in mind. And that's one of the reasons uh, one of your, your clinician might choose one versus the other. Um, they also, some of them will have things like vitamin D and vitamin E in them. And I'm thinking more specifically about cod liver oil. Uh, so that's another important facet too, because, you know, do you, do you need a little extra vitamin D? can you get, you know, a twofer there? So, you know, that's the distinction. And again, I tend to focus on fish oils that are based on small fish, like sardines and anchovies, um, because they're going to be less, least concerning from a heavy metal standpoint.
0: Okay. Well, we've learned a lot about omega-3 fatty acids today. Sure have. But you know what? This does open the door. Michael, to kind of talk about some of the other groupings. Omega 6s, the 9s, trans fats. We did even get into saturated and trans fats. There's so much to discuss here.
1: Oh my gosh, there's a lot to talk about. Well, it's a good thing that we have a podcast, and it's a good thing that we have a wheel.
0: Oh, nice. We
1: can just go ahead, dust this thing Love off, it. add the topics to it, and we're ready to go. <laughs> Next time on The Lab Report, we're going to talk about the kynurinine pathway biochemistry and b6 and how it relates to nad
0: whoa you've been listening to the lab report if you like what you hear please subscribe to our podcast rate us and leave us a review to learn more about genova diagnostics visit our website at gdx.net there you'll find information on specific testing educational resources and how to connect with our show call us at 1-800-522- 4762 Or email us at podcast at gdx.net. So, cod liver oil? Yeah. Comes from like the liver of the fish, the cod? That's right. But the cod is a really small fish, therefore, the liver is probably small.
1: Yeah, it's probably proportional to the size of the fish.
0: <laughs> <laughs> then you're probably going to need a lot of cod to get a lot of cod liver to make cod liver oil. That's a lot of cod.
1: Yeah, but we fish a lot of cod because we eat a lot of cod, and we're not eating the cod livers, right?
0: Well, no, Which that's true. We should be. The right? word cod just sounds weird to me now. Cod. Cod. Isn't there another fish called the scrod?
1: I'm not aware of such a fish.
0: It exists.
1: Scrod liver oil?
0: No, just scrod. Cod liver oil. Oh. Different thing.